Daily Drive is brought to you by Reynolds & Reynolds, the industry leader in automotive technology. Find out what Reynolds is up to in the digital retailing space by visiting reyrey.com slash retail anywhere. That's R-E-Y-R-E-Y dot com slash retail anywhere. Hi, everyone. I'm Steve Smith with Automotive News. Welcome to Daily Drive for Thursday, September 30th. Expectations among people that shop for cars and how they go about that process has changed so much over the last 20 to 25 years. Influenced by the experiences they have with other retailers, in person or online, and enabled by technology, today's modern automotive consumer is more informed and has higher expectations than ever before. Brett Kelly, Executive Vice President of Dealer Performance at Applied Concepts, says dealers are doing both good and, at the same time, a poor job connecting with today's modern automotive consumer. On the plus side, he says dealers understand what their customers want and those that are being transparent in advertising pricing and the customer experience people should expect at the dealership are doing well. Where he says some dealers are dropping the ball is the handoff from the online digital messaging that is resonating with consumers to the interaction with a person at the dealership. His company is in the business of monitoring the interaction between customers and dealers, and he says it's shocking how many people reach out to dealers and are basically met by a salesperson who may as well have been that dealer 20 or 25 years ago. So, what is the ideal customer journey dealers should be striving to deliver? Why do consumers, who are more informed than ever, still walk into a dealership with a sense of distrust? And how can strategies designed to create exceptional customer experiences in the showroom translate to the service lane? We've reached Brett Kelly, Executive Vice President of Dealer Performance at Applied Concepts at the company's headquarters in Lake Mary, Florida. Brett, thanks so much for joining me today on the Daily Drive podcast. How are you? I'm great. Thanks so much for having me, Steve. Thanks for joining us. We've got an exciting conversation today. It's good to speak with you. We're going to spend most of the time today talking about consumers and how they have changed over the years. So why don't we start with that? Can you talk a little bit about how consumers today, the modern consumer, if you will, are different from consumers in automotive 20, 25, 30 years ago? Yeah, absolutely. And I and, and thank you. The word modern is the is the real key there. Um, you know, it's like, wow, kind of what hasn't changed? You think of, you know, over the past 20, 25 years, you know, 20 years ago, consumers had information and that information was really rumor or speculation. They didn't really have many sources for hard facts of information. Uh, you, think of, you think of a modern consumer, and they have access to all of the real live inventory that every dealer has on their lots. Uh, they have actual photos of that inventory, videos, 360 tours, uh, on used cars, pre-owned cars, they have you know robust vehicle history reports. Um, then back on new cars, you know they have cost information, you know dealer invoice information um, for their own cars, their trades. They know what their trade value is. They know what the wholesale value is, the retail value from a finance perspective. Uh, they know the interest rates. They know the terms. They know the factory incentives. They have all the information. 
and you know, I, I think to to back when I got in the business, and it was you know about 23 years ago to age myself. Um, there I am, you know, first time salesman in a car dealership, and it was kind of like when this whole notion of selling cars online or on the internet came out. And, and I remember one of our sales manager introduces us to to the rep from this online marketplace, and he says, "Oh, you know, this is internet selling. It's the wave of the future." Um, we have to handle these people in a particular way, and this is really going to be the way all car sales happen in the future. And and me as a sales guy and the other sales guys were like, oh yeah, right. You know, people are never going to stop buying cars from from people. This will never work. Well, <laughs> you know, so yeah, it it some of what I said as a junior salesperson was true, and and some wasn't true. The consumers have changed a lot. And, and, you know, I think we're going to get into this conversation that maybe the dealers haven't changed as much as the consumers have. Yeah, absolutely. Because I really want to spend some time there and talk about that because all of those changes that you describe around the consumer fundamentally changes the job at the dealership. Dealerships, the, the consumers are coming in more informed as ever, as you point out. And it kind of shifts the objective of the dealer visit to convincing selling product to and educating consumers more to closing the deal, if you will, right? Answering last minute questions. It seems to me consumers are walking into the dealership with a lot of their purchase decision already made up when they walk into the dealership. Are, would you agree with that? I would, I would agree, but I would also add something onto that. Remember, uh, consumers are armed with all this information. Um, unfortunately, over the years, um, there has sort of been this this distrust that, that kind of started with consumers and it built up over the years. So there's this distrust that consumers, um, unfortunately, have about dealers. So when they walk into that dealership armed with information, one, there might be a couple of little little things that they that they want to clarify. But part two is they want to confirm that this information that they have is really true and that this dealer will really honor this. Um, because they come in, whether it's walk into the store or contact the store, they do it from a from a position of skepticism. Mm -hmm. How much of that is, if you're a younger consumer, how much of that is influenced by friends, family, older generations that are conditioned to have those somewhat lacking experiences that dealerships perhaps have given in decades past. Yeah, a, a lot. I mean, you know, they like the younger generations have been conditioned to to think that they should be distrustful of, of car dealers. It's pretty wild, you know. It maybe it started with with their grandfather, and then on to their father, and then to them, and then quite honestly, when you think of of you know various third parties who have have emerged over the years that have kind of positioned themselves as middleman agents, and you know maybe they maybe they did it you know for the right reasons, um, but the underlying statement is work through us to buy your car. Because if you don't, you might be taken advantage of. <laughs> so, so you know, over the years, this conditioning has occurred. Also, the the crazy thing to go with that is, is even though um, you know younger uh, current generation buyers have been conditioned to kind of believe these things, 
Um, at the very same time, the auto industry as a whole um, has become way more uh, consumer centric, way more transparent, um, you know, highly engaged in, in social media, caring about CSI scores, caring about a good customer experience. Um, so it really kind of leads to, to this unfortunate and, and quite often unnoticed disconnect between consumers and dealers. So how are dealers doing connecting with today's modern consumer? <laughs> you know, again, I, there, there's two answers to that. They are doing really well and really poorly. And, and let's start with the really well. Yeah, uh, what are they getting right? They, under, they understand what the consumer wants. So from a marketing and advertising perspective, they're spot on. So if you, if you go out there in the world, you, know, you turn on your TV, you go online, you see advertising marketing messages from dealers. They're all about transparency. They're all about good pricing, customer experience, um, how quick and easy your transaction is going to be. Um, you know, all of this very, very customer-centric messaging. And it really resonates with consumers, you know, because consumers see this messaging. They started out, they started out maybe skeptical because of some of that legacy that we talked about. They see this messaging and they're like, okay, wow. So this consumer, th this dealer sounds like somebody who I, who I really want to do business with. I'm going to contact him about this car. <laughs> so this is where we now go to the other side of the coin because the dealers have, have focused very heavily on this marketing message. But what they forgot to do was translate that same way of doing business um, into their in-store processes and especially into their consumer interactions. You know, so, so I'm, in, I'm in the business at Applied Concepts of, of, of monitoring phone calls, listening to phone calls and, and looking at emails and, and chat communications that come through between consumer and dealer. And it's just shocking how many consumers reach out to dealers and, and are basically met by a salesperson who may as well have been that dealer that we talked about from 20, 25 years ago. So they're doing a great job in terms of consumer messaging in marketing. And for the most part, unfortunately, a very poor job at handling that consumer when they respond to that messaging. So interesting. Right? So they're doing a good job at the front end of the funnel, creating engagement. I would say building trust early on, not only in terms of the way they are engaging, the information that they're making available very transparently, as you point out, mm -hmm. but you get to the store and it's a completely different process. And I have to believe that does nothing but permeate, continue this long held reputation that many consumers put on dealers and, you know, call it what you want trust, reputation, bait and switch in some yeah, cases. I mean, all of that stuff just, just that, hangs that is, on because of this. Yeah, and that's absolutely right. And it's so unfortunate because here's the crazy part. I don't even think it's intentional from the dealers. 100% agree. It's yes. over the years, dealers have been so caught up 
in, in the, for lack of a better word, shiny objects, the shiny object of, of getting you know, the, the digital marketing and digital retailing uh, tools and, and so caught up in the, in the shiny objects of, of marketing and advertising and putting this message out there um, that they just kind of took for granted that their people and their sales staffs and their in-store processes would just follow along. Um, you know, people. If you think of any, if you think of any profession, any profession requires training and coaching for how to do things. And you know, unfortunately, dealers are. Uh, I, you know, one of my favorite sayings is that that dealers are over-investing in advertising and marketing. So if, if you have consumers who are, who this, this marketing message to them really resonates mm-hmm. and, and they're contacting that dealer, but then the dealers, you know, sales or frontline employees are burning half of those leads or phone calls or interactions, then what happens is that a dealer then just throws more money out there at, at advertising to try to get more people into the top of the funnel because they have to make up for the 50% that got burned that they didn't even know about. Thanks for listening. We'll be right back with more. As online experiences exploded this past year, it was clear dealers needed an approach that kept them in business for the long term. Chris Walsh, Casey Edwards, and Dave Bates, Top Reynolds executives, sat down to discuss today's digital retailing landscape. Here's an excerpt from that roundtable discussion. So what are dealers trying to do to get this fully online and online to in-store experience? I mean, that's a great question. And honestly, it's, a, it's kind of a hard one to answer because retailers are kind of defining and using digital retailing differently. You know, to some dealers, it's selling a car. To other, it's sales and F&I. And they, they tend to be approaching it in chunks versus, you know, kind of a holistic, holistic approach. And then you end up just focusing on one or two things when you need to focus on, you know, more of a big picture. Digital retailing is dealership operations, period. Reynolds' Retail Anywhere approach focuses on streamlining dealership operations and improving profitability. For more information about this big-picture, holistic approach, visit reyrey.com slash retailanywhere. That's R-E-Y-R-E-Y dot com slash retailanywhere. So I'm a dealer. I'm listening to this, and, and I hear the conversation and the things that you and I are talking about. But I'm looking at my balance sheet and I'm having record profitability. Yeah. So what do you say to dealers who might say, I must be doing something right because profitability <laughs> is off the charts? Yeah. So I'd say, hold on for a minute. <laughs> no, no, really. I mean, they are doing something right and good for them. I mean, so so look, everybody knows that that what's going on now is really, you know, supply and demand based. There's there's a, 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 this inventory shortage. So there's there's very low inventory. Um, yet there is still consumer demand, um, very high consumer demand, actually. Uh, so what's going on now is dealers, for the first time in many, many years, are capturing gross profit on new cars. You know, who would have thought? <laughs> we were, what were we, like, you know, a, a year and a half ago talking about, you know, minus $65 profit per new car sold? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, Absolutely. you know, so and here we are, you know, dealers capturing three, four, five thousand dollar grosses 
on on the front end of a car sale. So so look, we're we're very aware that that a lot of this is well, most of it is based on this inventory shortage. The part that dealers are doing well um, is that they're capturing that gross profit, which means a byproduct of of this time period is that they have turned a new car franchise dealership back into a retail enterprise. Again, who would have thought? Because a couple of years ago, we were we were talking about you know selling all these cars at dead cost just to try to capture the back end money mm -hmm. the, the the sale of products to capture that service customer and here we are and we see wow look at this it is possible to restore this industry a, as a retail industry we touched on digital retailing a few minutes ago more so on the front end it is a, all a buzz in the industry these days. And to your point about the entire consumer life cycle and loyalty when it comes to service and maintenance and, and buying your next vehicle, yep. can you describe what a true end-to-end -end automotive digital retail experience <laughs> looks like? Take us through that ideal customer journey. Yeah, it's wild because is there an ideal customer journey? I mean, you know, and, and that's the that's the real thing. I, everybody's kind of asking this question as, as what is the ideal customer journey? Remember, consumers are all unique. There, there might be some consumers who are fully, completely content with buying a twenty, thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollar car um, and have it delivered to them sight unseen um and never talk to a soul you know there are some consumers who are, who are perfectly content to do that there are other consu consumers who want to test drive they want to see they want to feel they want to touch they want to have a connection to to a local business who they who they do business with um so you know look there's there's different needs for different consumers that being said what what i would say is the ultimate digital retailing experience or environment is one that makes it possible for a dealership to offer a transaction in the way a consumer wants to make that transaction. Meaning if the consumer you know, looks at the virtual tours online, et cetera, et cetera, and they're comfortable enough to the point that they want to start to engage in a transaction then have the tools to let them. And, you know, that might be their, their appraisal tool. That might be online credit apps, deal-making platforms. Let the consumer go as far as they want to go um, or not, but have a consistent business model for both online and in person. Um, so, you know, and, and part of this, and you, you mentioned the, you mentioned the service department. You mentioned the the buying experience. Um, I think one thing that that dealers really are going to need to focus on, as as digital retailing becomes, you know, more and more common, is you know, 20 years ago I couldn't see the future. I've been in this business for a long time now, and and now I can view. 10 years into the future, and here's the question that every dealer needs to ask themselves, and that is how are they going to stay relevant to the consumer? You know, what can that individual dealership bring to the table that maybe 
a digital environment, an online-only environment can't. And, and that's really where dealers are going to have to start thinking about building relationships with their customers. Uh, they're going to have to think about the ownership experience um, as being just as or maybe more important than the initial physical transaction of a car. Well, it's interesting in your use of the word consumer there. My takeaway from that is not consumers and mass, it's specific consumers. Absolutely. What does Joe want? What does Sue want? What does Mary want? And being able to understand that to be able to create that long-term customer loyalty. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, and, and you know, and that's, so look, let, we've, we've talked about how consumers have changed over the past 20 years. Um, yeah, so there's this these sweeping technologies, but sweeping technologies from so many platforms and so many companies leads to choice for consumers. Consumers have the choice to do business the way they want to do it. Uh, you know, I'll flip back to to what I was talking about, how how dealers may have, you know, all of these consumers contacting them and they maybe are burning half of them because mm-hmm. they aren't trained to interact. Well, you know, in the old days, a consumer would just have to put up with it. And they would, you know, because that's the dealer, that's their neighborhood, that's where they get this type of car. Uh, now, if a consumer has a bad experience, they'll just move on to the next person and they'll keep moving on until they get the business done the way they want to do it. And with these new business models that are emerging, particularly these digital natives that focus on just the used car market, the yep. basis of competition in this part of the value chain is just so dynamic right now. Yeah, it, it really is. I mean, you know, so <laughs> and, and it's funny, the 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 popularity of of these used car only full you know full digital retail environments um, one of the reasons for the popularity and and we've heard this you know a thousand times it's because consumers say that they don't like the traditional car buying process and and it's again I'll go back to franchise dealers put out messaging that is very consumer centric. They put off this messaging that basically says we are not the old traditional car buying process and a consumer believes it. They believe it, they contact them and then they get burned. And it's really unfortunate. And like I said, I think that it's it's not deliberate from the dealer. And I think for the most part, ownership, senior management of dealerships don't even know that it's going on. They have no idea that this number of consumer interactions are just getting cut off at the knees. Well, and particularly in the service lane, right? If you have where the value is, where the profits are, where the margins are. Yep. Um, I had somebody on the show a, a couple of episodes ago who talked specifically about women consumers and the fact that one in four drop out of the service lane and and find a different vendor because of that poor experience in yeah, the service lane. And right. And you know what? It's a, it's a very, very similar, similar um, notion to what I was talking about on the, uh, on the retail side of it. I mean, you know, the, the, there's all these tools, you know, we have these scheduling tools for service departments, very customers, very customer centric messaging that says, you know, we're going to have you in and out fast and we have the best customer ratings and schedule your time. And it's in these 15 minute increments. And then the customer shows up in the service lane 
and then maybe they get ignored. <laughs> maybe they do take their car there, and then they're told, okay, well, it'll be two and a half hours, <laughs> three hours. <laughs> you know, so, so again, it's, there's a breakdown between execution of the messaging that gets put out there. And, and if dealers would just put their consumer hats on for just a minute and listen to these calls, watch these transactions, um, they'll see how much opportunity is slipping through their fingers. Brett, we've covered a lot of ground today. And if I'm a dealer, if I'm in automotive retailing, I got to imagine my head spinning a little bit based on the conversation sure. know, that we've had over the last several minutes. Can you, can we close with maybe some recommendations, maybe some advice from you on where a dealer that's looking to improve in this area or is looking to implement solutions in these areas we've talked about, where do they start? Rule number one <laughs> is admit you have a problem. Um, and, and, and that's an important one. Like I said, they first need to put their consumer hat on and they need to listen to their phone calls. They need to, to look at the email interactions. They need to stand in their service drives and look at the interactions and, and what's going on. Um, so that's the start, is to recognize that there, that there is a problem. And then two, make a very deliberate and serious plan for how you're going to address that problem. And, and this is another one. You know, dealers have this habit of of saying that or thinking that just because they've they've seen that there's a problem and maybe the maybe the dealer principal or general manager tells their management team that's a problem you have to solve it and then they move on in their heads they think it's solved um, where in reality to solve a problem has to has to happen through a very deliberate and ongoing plan that that includes tracking so one understand that there is a problem. Um, Listen, look, make a plan, and then execute on that plan. You know, so so again, at Applied Concepts, uh, we're really all about training and then coaching. And when I say coaching, it's on an ongoing basis. It's not, you know, just by just by calling the team into a into a meeting room and and say, okay, you know, you have to be more customer centric, and everybody's like, okay, you know, that doesn't solve that doesn't solve the problem. It's really it's really about making a deliberate plan and consistently working towards that plan, and then measuring the results. Um, you know, they have to be honest with themselves. They have to see where they are right now. They have to know what it is they want to correct. And they have to measure the results of what they're doing and adjust if they're not getting those results. Brett, terrific perspective, terrific advice. Thanks so much for joining me today on the podcast. Appreciate you spending a few minutes with us. Yeah, thank you, Steve. It was a pleasure. That's Daily Drive for Thursday, September 30th. For breaking news, go to autonews.com. And to catch up on all of our episodes of Daily Drive, go to autonews.com forward slash daily drive. As always, thanks for listening. We'll be back tomorrow.